the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. History has clearly shown that Christ is required to overcome the natural tendency of powerful forces to destroy God-given rights, including the right to hear and speak His truth. Welcome to Biblical Citizen, Let's Roll, with Kathleen and Brian Melanakis. Kathleen is an author and retired registered nurse, and her husband Brian is a former company president. Kathleen and Brian are here to discuss current events from a biblical worldview and how we as believers can be salt and light in our culture and in the political arena. Biblical Citizen Let's Roll seeks to educate and activate Christians at the grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. Now, here are your hosts, Kathleen and Brian Melanakis on K-Praise. Hi folks, this is Brian Melanakis, and I am so excited about the opportunity to speak with you. This is the first episode of a brand new show on K-Praise. This is not a show to sell anything. That is anything except awareness of what it is to act as a biblical citizen in this 21st century culture in Southern California. We are going to provide you with information on the latest political and cultural news and the deeper issues and spiritual forces behind the news. The opinions expressed are our own, but we encourage you to do your own research on anything we say that interests you, and come to your own conclusions. In this, we act on 1 Thessalonians 5.21. Test everything. Hold fast what is good. Since this is our first broadcast, let's just take a few moments to tell you a little about ourselves. Kathleen, maybe you should start. Hello. I'm also very excited to have this opportunity to speak with new friends on K-Praise. Brian and I have been married for many years. We're the proud parents of three daughters and have two grandchildren. I'm a retired RN. I've worked in both hospital and office settings in three different states. In addition, I have a master's degree in philosophy from Stanford, and I'm the author of several books, including The Pocket Reference for Nurses and a history book, Secret Combinations, Evidence of Early Mormon Counterfeiting. It is a book on Mormon church origins that takes place in early America. These books are available on Amazon for your information. One reason I was inspired to write the history book was that I was raised an active Mormon and am descended from one of the earliest Mormon leaders, Heber C. Kimball. It took me years of study and prayer however, to come to a true knowledge of Christ and the Bible. Brian and I will tell you more about our stories on a future broadcast, but I will tell you now I'm active in my local church. I have a weekly women's prayer group that I adore, and I have a daily Bible study with Brian at home. We've been going through the book of Revelations and seeing new insights all the time. Studying the Bible has really changed my life. And I've come to a true knowledge of the Lord in the last 20 years. I've also been quite active in civic affairs before. For instance, I was president of the Delaware Family Foundation in Dover, Delaware for a number of years. Now, once again, especially because of this COVID crisis, 
I'm focused on energy, energizing Christians to become more informed about what is happening in our state and nation, things that are affecting our families directly and may well affect our ability to worship and to share the gospel in the near future. And we want to give you ideas of what you can do to fight for religious freedom and to increase our abilities to share the gospel. As my wife mentioned, we are the proud parents. I'm going to mention it, too, because it was just Father's Day. I'm the proud dad of three wonderful daughters and two grandchildren. I was born and raised in Michigan in a part Mormon family, and then skipping ahead to college, I earned my bachelor's degree in economics. Kathleen and I were married right after graduation, and just within two years after our marriage, Kathleen developed a life-threatening brain tumor. Thankfully, we survived that experience. We'll tell our stories in greater depth on future broadcasts. For now, simply say that around this time, we were also led on a different spiritual path. I went back and got my MBA from the University of Michigan and launched a corporate career. I became an international business executive in the healthcare and medical device industries. I've run three separate company divisions. I found Christ, or more accurately, Christ found me in the year 2001. Since being retired, one thing I've wanted to do is share some of the hopefully wisdom I've learned over the years. So I wrote a book called Counselor Dad Life Tips about practical life advice your dad should have told you and maybe didn't. And this book is especially for young people. It's also available on Amazon. Currently, I'm a leader in several organizations, including the National Center for Law and Policy. We're going to talk more about that next week. It's a great organization which defends religious liberty, sometimes taking important legal cases all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. I serve as a deacon in our local church. So now, let's turn to our show, Biblical Citizen, Let's Roll. The title we have chosen implies that the Bible can give us guidance on how to act, not only in our private and family lives, but also in the civic square. Let's Roll were the famous words of Christian believer Todd Beamer, one of our American heroes during 9-11. That was nearly 20 years ago. Those of you who are old enough will remember that Todd was the brave young father of three. He was the husband of Lisa Beamer, who with other passengers figured out that terrorists who had hijacked United Flight 93 had turned the plane in a direction directly towards Washington, D.C. Todd used his cell phone to alert supervisors on the ground, and then he organized others on the flight to take on the hijackers. After he told the ground supervisor... To tell his wife he loved her, he prayed the Lord's Prayer, and Jesus help us. Then he turned to his fellow passengers and said, Are you ready? Okay, let's roll. He and the other passenger team succeeded in disrupting the hijackers. At this point, the plane was only 15 minutes away from D.C. The plane took a fatal nosedive in an open field near Shanksville, Pennsylvania, killing all those on board but preventing a much greater tragedy that could have easily taken the lives of thousands and devastated our national capital. Surely Todd and his fellow passengers showed amazing faith, wisdom, and courage in the work that the Lord had cut out for them to do. And this is the kind of thing we want to exemplify in our daily lives. Let's talk about another example from history of someone who, filled with the Holy Spirit, and the desire to seek justice in a peaceful and Christ-honoring way 
became who was known as the greatest activist of all time. What did he do? Kathleen, could you tell us a little bit about William Wilberforce in England? Why was he so important? William Wilberforce did more to abolish slavery throughout the British Empire than any other man in history. In the latter part of the 1700s, when Wilberforce was a young man, the English slave trade was in full force. At this time, slavery was an accepted part of life, and it had been for centuries, not just in England, but in countries around the world. English traders raided the African coast on the Gulf of Guinea, capturing between 35,000 and 50,000 Africans a year, and shipped them across the Atlantic in horrible, crowded, inhumane conditions and sold them into slavery. It was a profitable business that many powerful people had become dependent upon. Before Wilberforce, almost no one questioned the morality of it. Most people just looked the other way. It was seen as a necessary evil. It surprised those around him that Wilberforce took on the issue of slavery when a young man. He grew up surrounded by wealth. He was a member of the ruling class. Though his parents were nominal, or you might say cultural Christians, and opposed it, young William became a serious, dedicated, evangelical Christian in 1785 while studying the Bible. Wilberforce accomplished all that he did despite the poor health that plagued him his entire life, sometimes keeping him bedridden for weeks. When healthy, however, he was a persistent and effective politician due to his natural charm, eloquence, and tireless persistence. By God's providence, he became one of the youngest members elected to the English Parliament while only in his 20s. He then worked for 40 years at persuading his countrymen that the slave trade was morally wrong through books, pamphlets, speeches, demonstrations, public relations campaigns, and most of all, through cultivating relationships with all kinds of different people. He experienced many defeats, but he did not give up. His efforts first bore fruit in 1807. Parliament abolished the slave trade in the British Empire. They did not enforce the laws, however, so he and his group then worked to ensure the slave trade laws were enforced. Finally, the British Parliament did abolish the slave trade altogether decades later in 1833. So just as Todd Beamer's life as a devoted Christian prepared him to take on-the-spot action in a crisis, God prepared William Wilberforce to devote a lifetime of leadership in the halls of government to set the captives free, as the gospel of Jesus Christ always does. You know, we may not all be called to be a William Wilberforce or a Todd Beamer But God does call upon his people to stand up for righteousness. In this program, we intend to help our listeners, you, better function in our state and country. We're going to discuss current events from a biblical worldview and how we can benefit our neighbors and future generations by acting biblically in the public square. Now, after the break, we want to discuss dealing with the COVID crisis. How does God want us to act? Is the cure potentially worse than the disease? If it is, what should Christians do about it? There is more Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Still to come on K-Praise. 
Welcome back to Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Now, here are your hosts, Kathleen and Brian Milanakis on K-Praise. Now, in the time remaining today, we want to discuss dealing with the COVID crisis. How does God want us to act? Kathleen, why don't you say a little bit about what our life's been like during COVID-19 in San Diego County? What's been your experience? Well, it was shocking that the government could just tell the whole world what to do or the who through the CDC. Uh, It just was very odd. It just seemed so strange that this could be happening. And, And I've really missed going to church and I've missed family meetings and and being able to come and go freely and and not knowing exactly what was going on so i i've just been distressed by the fear that's been so surrounding everyone and the confusion of uh, confusion of not knowing what to believe and most of all the division that it's caused in our community our family and our nation and i can of course relate to all that i've been with you through all that On a little bit lighter note, I've also missed going to the gym, which I was actually being a good guy and getting going there three to four times a week. And not too long before this COVID crisis, I started a completely new hobby of sculpture. And I did six or seven classes, and I was starting to feel like I was on the way to becoming, I don't know, maybe the Michelangelo (laughs) of uh, the 21st century. And now those hopes have been dashed. So... A little more seriously, you can see that we've still not suffered like many of those who have lost jobs, income. Some have been hospitalized during this time and are not allowed to have any visitors. We even know of several who have died during this COVID crisis who are not allowed to have even a family member at their side in their final moments. Very sad. Yes, it is very sad. And a a silver lining that we found is I think that we've both come to be more thankful and appreciative of small blessings that surround us every day. I'm thankful for our home, our garden, daily food, for our daily Bible study, for our friends, for our Christian believers that we fellowship with. Uh, What a comfort and guide that has been. And I really think I've become more thankful, too. Let's now, though, talk about the issue of how this crisis has affected our churches. Many churches have been torn with controversy over whether to open or how to reopen, with or without the blessings of the governor and local authorities. Some churches, such as New Birth Covenant Church in San Diego, have continued to meet throughout the shutdown. Several thousand churches in California signed a proclamation in early May announcing that they were going to open their doors on May 31st, the day of Pentecost, whether or not it was with the government's approval. Now, at that time, the governor of California forbade any gathering of more than 10 people. This order was modified right before May 31, but it still contained directives and recommendations, including the wearing of masks and a maximum attendance of 25% of normal or 100 persons, whichever is less. Now, as Christians, the question is, should we always obey our leaders' mandates? To answer this, some Christians refer to Romans 13, which states, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. 
Now, of course, it's important to read everything in the Bible in the context of the whole Bible. For example, Paul, who was the author of Romans 13, look at his life. He suffered arrest, jail, torture, multiple times for preaching the gospel, which was illegal in the Roman Empire. He refused to follow the authorities when they tried to stop him from preaching the gospel. He acted contrary to the governing authorities. And we today hardly know what suffering is compared to some early Christians like Paul. Consider what he said in 2 Corinthians 23. He said, I have had far more imprisonments with countless beatings and often been near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And why did he do all these things? Why did he face these multiple dangers just day and night to preach the gospel to to see to to spread the word of Jesus Christ and of course Jesus himself lived under dangerous threats from the ruling authorities of course he overturned the money changers in the Jerusalem temple even though they were part of the ruling authority he was constantly at odds with the Jewish and the Roman rulers of course he was and is God always in control of every situation. He exemplified how to love enemies, yet escape their traps and avoid ungodly edicts not to speak the truth. And then if we look at the 2,000-year history of the church since that time, in-person assembly for worship has been vitally important to Christians, typically including teaching of God's Word, encouragement, prayer, praise, repentance, communion, baptism, and singing. Whether meeting in a home or at a large church, this is not a mere cultural habit. Scripture commands it. And by the way, as a side note, I am not a good singer, but I really miss hearing other people sing at church. Sometimes in-person worship or public confession of faith has been brutally suppressed by governments. For instance, in the lead-up to the Protestant Reformation, Puritans had to meet underground. Dissidents from the Church of England had their property confiscated or even lost their lives. The pilgrims on the Mayflower were fleeing religious persecution 400 years ago this year. Freedom to worship is the main reason our country was founded. Now, of course, a lot of people today don't really know that. The New Testament admonishes us, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The New Testament reminds us, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That's from Hebrews 10.25. And in Acts 5.42, And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Video services, of course, have been promoted as an acceptable replacement for the in-person assembly of the church, 
And I've appreciated the opportunity to observe Sunday service via Zoom versus nothing at all. However, I don't know, if some of you are like me, you might be kind of Zoomed out at this point. By that I mean Zoom is just not a long-term substitute for in-person worship. And why? Well, I think it's very difficult, if not impossible, to take communion, baptize new believers, make disciples, really teach Jesus' commandments, or sing together on the Internet. Why are we allowing the coronavirus to stop us from meeting together in obedience to God? You know, another hero of our Christian faith, Martin Luther was a model of obedience to the biblical command to gather and worship, even during a plague much worse than what we've been experiencing. During his time, there was a scourge that killed far more people than we can even imagine, more than 30% of the population. Compare this to the coronavirus that's killed less than 0.1% of our population, and it has a 99% recovery rate. Martin Luther wrote in a letter to a pastor in 1527, We have done this, preached orally from the pulpit, and still do so every day in fulfillment of the ministry to which we have been called as pastors. One must admonish the people to attend church and listen to the sermon so that they learn through God's word how to live, and how to die. We're going to conclude this uh, broadcast with one more scripture reference, and this is from Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, and from deadly pestilence. We want to both thank you for joining us in our program today. We've explored several examples of Christians in history that have stood against plagues and oppressive governments in order to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and give the blessings of freedom to their neighbors. Of course, Jesus himself was the greatest example. We've also discussed the Apostle Paul, Martin Luther, William Wilberforce, and Todd Beamer, who said, Let's Roll, part of the title of this program. We discussed how Christians today can stand together to continue to worship and follow these brave heroes of the Christian faith. We're both looking forward to having you join us next Saturday when we will be interviewing constitutional attorney Dean Broyles of the Center for Law and Policy and discussing contact tracing. What is it? And is it a potential threat to our churches and to our personal liberties? We want to end this and every broadcast with a bless your neighbor suggestion. This week, we ask you to consider praying for and thinking of how you can encourage worship in your local area and join with other Christians working for freedom of worship, whether it's in house churches or traditional churches. Reach out to your pastor or other Christians and see how you can help. Thanks for joining us for Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Join us next week at the same time as Kathleen Melanakis, author and retired registered nurse, and her husband, Brian Melanakis, former company president, explore the deeper issues and spiritual forces behind the news and how we as believers can be salt and light in our culture and in the political arena. Biblical Citizen Let's Roll seeks to educate and activate Christians at the grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibilities 
responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. Next week, we will cover more major news happening from the view of the biblical citizen. To learn more about this show, how to become a guest or sponsor, send an email to biblicalcitizen at gmail.com. That's biblicalcitizen at gmail.com. This has been Biblical Citizen. Let's roll on gay praise. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.